Hello, this is Tim Sandlin with the 102nd Intelligence Wing Public Affairs Office. Today, I am joined by Senior Master Sergeant Lushana Hainer, who is the Human Resource Advisor for the Wing. How are you today, Sergeant Hainer? I am doing well, thank you, and yourself? I'm doing very well. Um, so I wanted to invite you in today so we can talk about your job, um, Human Resource Advisor. Um, it's a fairly new position. Well, you've been in it for a while now, all right? Yeah, so I got selected for it in August of 2019. Okay. So almost, not quite a year yet. But. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so I'm sure, uh, you know, the question I've had in the past, and I'm sure other people that are listening um, have asked, um, what is the difference between human resources and being the human resource advisor? So the one of the main differences is that is human resources or the human resources office really deals in terms of uh, positions. Um, they do do a, some work with uh, training um, along the lines of a cohesive environment. Human resources advisor role, however, is more in working in the area of diversity and diversity, inclusion, and equity. And so a lot of what I do is program management in those areas where I'm specifically working with members, both civilian and military, and helping to helping the wing commander identify some of the obstacles that some of the groups may be dealing with that are limiting uh, or that they feel are limiting their contributions to the wing and the overall mission. The other thing I focus on is providing opportunities to share, for, for members to share uh, their differences and highlight those so that we can function better as an organization, uh, benefiting from the differences that we have. Wow, that's great. Um, Sounds like you probably overlap a little bit or maybe people would perceive you overlap a little bit with EEO or the Military Equal Opportunity Office. Uh, in contrast, what, what are the differences there? So, yes, especially when you sit, I sit in the office at this time with EEO. So the, often people walk into the office and assume that I am on the EEO team. One of the biggest differences, the EEO office focuses on equality and making sure that everybody has the same opportunities, uh, that people are being treated equally. For me, um, I, I do share in that, that task and, and that mission. Where we differ a little bit is I also focus on equity. I see. Uh, and so... The way I try to explain it to people, I'll see if I can quickly paraphrase it, um, is that equality is being is making sure people are treated the same. Equity is making sure people are treated fairly. So, for example, um, one of the easiest visuals I, I can give to people is for, let's say, our building, uh, Joint Force Headquarters, let's say for Joint Force Headquarters, for example, there is an entrance to get in. There is a door. So anybody can get into the building. Mm -hmm. Now, um, if you have somebody, however, let's say there are steps to get in, all of a sudden you've 
you're going to prevent some people from getting into the building, even though you have a door for everyone to get in. So what you do, if you're being equitable, so we've already accomplished the equality piece, right? Sure. Made sure there's a door to get in the building. The equity piece is putting in a ramp or something else so that all people can get in and we remove some of the obstacles that some might uh, experience. So that's how I try to explain often the difference between equity and equality. Uh, and like I said, my focus is more on the, e- the equity part. I see. Um, I would imagine in a position like this, um, your experiences come into play and your experience in the military and life experience in general. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a position that's reserved for senior NCOs. So that tells me that they're looking for a certain person to fill that role. So how do your experiences in your career kind of, how have they helped prepare you for this position? Um, it's interesting that you asked that question. So the, the first uh, way I'll answer that question is uh, prior to this, I was a first sergeant. And so, um, and often uh, there's a natural progression for a first sergeant to be selected uh, for the role of HRA. And part of the reason for that, I believe, especially after going through uh, some formal training, is that there's an insight and perspective that a first sergeant has because they are pivotal uh, in getting, helping uh, whoever the commander is, be it a squadron commander or group commander, to get the most out of people and, and encourage everybody to bring their full selves sure. uh, in order to help accomplish uh, whatever the, the determined mission is. And so um, as a first sergeant, I had lots of opportunities of uh, working with leadership um, and realizing what each and every member brought to the table uh, to help the overall mission. But also, I worked with our members um, constantly in helping to identify some of the obstacles that they were dealing with that were preventing or limiting them from bringing their full selves. Um, and, how, and overall, it, the end result being that they were contributing and felt like they were contributing to the uh, overall mission. And so I, my, my personal opinion is that that experience and um, that knowledge of our members um, helps me to then kind of highlight it and bring it uh, at a more broad, uh, from a more broad perspective. The other thing is that um, in my civilian job, uh, where I do cybersecurity, kind of similar to what I did before becoming a first sergeant, uh, I am very active in our employee resource groups, mm-hmm. um, which for those of who don't know, employee resource groups are kind of like, I like to kind of consider them like focus groups where they highlight our work on um, with specific groups that are quote-unquote marginalized, mm-hmm. um, who for multiple reasons, don't feel that they can necessarily bring their full selves, don't feel like they're a part of the team, don't feel like they're included. 
And so I'm not only doing this uh, in my military uh, posture, but also my civilian posture. And historically in my career, uh, my what I've done in the military um, has been guided by what I did in my civilian roles. This is one of the first times that what I'm doing in the military is guiding my civilian. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. So recently, I as I really got into and started really understanding um, diversity, inclusion, and equity and the impact in helping to make things better uh, in different organizations and environments better, uh, I... I really took a passion for it. Like I said, I've joined uh, multiple employee resource groups in my civilian job. And then uh, while, uh, like everyone else, while home with COVID and lots of time to think and and uh, just time to self-reflect, uh, I decided that I really, really had a passion for this. And so I applied for to Tufts University Diversity and Inclusion Leadership Program. I got accepted, and so uh, as of today, I am just about done with my first semester. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. So, yeah, so this uh, serving in the human resources advisor role has had more of an impact on me than I realized it would. That's great. That's great. Um, To mix this up a little bit, um, since we're on the the topic of career... um, Tell us a little bit about you and your career in, uh, so far in the, in the, uh, in the military. Um, wh- how long have you been in? Yeah, so I was thinking about that. I have now been in for over 25 years. Wow. Uh, it's, uh, it's hard to believe. It feels like just yesterday I was taking oath and going away to basic training. Uh, did you come straight into the National Guard or the Air National Guard, brother? Um, I actually came into the reserve. So, oh. yes, I came in uh, and I was with the Air, uh, 459th Air Medical Squadron out of Andrews. Wow. Um, I, I had always wanted to be in the Air Force. Uh, I, my dad was in the Air Force. And I had other family members who were military, in the military, and so that was something that I always had a, a pull for, a passion for. And so I did one year of college right out of high school, and I still wanted to do something with the Air Force and was kind of uh, in that, am I sure this is the right track for me college-wise and said, I know this is a great time to take a break and do something else that I had a passion for. Uh, so I went to basic training, and I took oath and went to basic training in 95, in 1995. I know it seems like a lifetime ago now. <laughs> oh, don't talk to me about that. <laughs> um, and so uh, from 95 through 98, the, the near the end of 98, I was down at Andrews. Oh, and you're, then, you're a Washington area native, right? The I DC, am, I am. The district. Grew up there, went uh, all of my education there and in uh, the public school system. So, yeah, so that was that was a, a wonderful opportunity for me because I went to, uh, I started my undergrad education in Rhode Island. 
And so I, because of this decision I had made, uh, I took a year from school uh, after basic training and everything. I went back to school in Rhode Island. But one weekend out of a month, I got a chance to go down to Andrews and see family. So it was a it was a great uh, I don't know. I, I think it was a great opportunity for me to to grow and develop and learn so many different things about myself at that point in time, especially with the traveling back and forth. Um, I couldn't do it at this point. Now I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I was like, I would finish class, hop on a train or a bus for hours. Get down to Andrews at like eight or so at night, uh, go out with friends until early in the morning, and then get up and go to drill. Wow. And then I, at the end of drill, I would get back on a train or a bus, go back and just start the whole week process all over again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, 25 years does a number on you. <laughs> So, well, um, Rhode Island that got you in the, the you know the general region up here. But what? How did you end up in the Massachusetts Air National Guard? Uh, so, yeah, that so there are there are a few things that people make changes like that in their life for uh, job opportunity, love, or just wanting a change of scenery. I did it for love. Um, I met my now husband uh, when we were both an undergrad in Rhode Island. And, um, yeah, we've been married now for 20 years. So. Wow. Another uh, milestone. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and he was from up here, and I was like, you know, I like it up here. So I, I came up here and made, made this home. Um, and in 19... After, in the beginning of our relationship, I was still going back and forth to Andrews. And I was like, okay, this is not going to work if I'm making my life up here. Uh, so in 1998, in the 1998, I started um, looking into and inquiring with a couple of different bases up here. Um, obviously, I was at Andrews in the reserve, so I, I first went to um, Westover. Um but there was something about the 102nd that was special. Oh. So even though I started off as a reserve member, I ended up transitioning uh, to being a member of the Garden. I've been with o- at Otis since. That's great. And Did, never read. Like, that's when we first met in the, the, the communications flight here. Yes. Yes. 98, you said? 98-ish, yeah. 99, yes. Yes. Uh, many, many great memories. That's great. Yes. So um, I want to get back on track on the human resource advisor stuff. So in your job now, um, what are some of the goals or taskers that you've got uh, on top of your, on your plate there that you're hoping to accomplish? So uh, one of the, well, two really important things to me is um, bringing back the diversity council. There, there was once a diversity council here at Otis. Um, and so I really want to bring that back. But I, I want to bring it back a little differently um, in terms of I want it to not just be about um, celebrating different cultures and, and um, their history, but I want it to be 
about educating. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you you understand the value added when you understand the history. Um, and so because of that, um, we're not just planning on, I'm not just planning on bringing back a diversity council, but it's going to be a, a two-tiered approach. So there'll be a diversity council and um, what I refer to as focus groups. So similar to like an ERG in a civilian employee uh, environment. So there will be members who are uh, working with specific uh, marginalized groups of people in mind. Uh, so, for example, um, there will be a, a women's focus group, um, Hispanic, uh, Latino focus group, um, African American or Black uh, member, Black people's focus group. But the one thing I definitely want to make make sure people understand is you don't have to identify as any of those to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the other one of the other challenges I'm taking personally is to really help Otis be inclusive. Um, and the the best way I think to be inclusive is to make sure you're not practicing anything that's exclusive. Um, following kind of uh, Colonel Riley's ideals and and where he wants to take Otis and what he wants Otis to become. And becoming a wing of choice, somewhere that people want to be. I believe that in order to accomplish that, there needs to be that inclusivity piece. Of course. Um, and so that's that's one of my main focuses. The other is um, mentorship. That's I important. really yeah, and and I know lots of different um, like chiefs council, the junior listed council. Uh, the senior listed council, we're all working on mentorship and and, um, growing mentorship programs, uh, looking at it from different perspectives. One of the ways I'm hoping to um, contribute uh, in that task is uh, I'm, it's a little difficult right now because of the posture we're in with the pandemic, but bringing uh, Toastmasters charter here. Um, and I feel like that is, I'm, I'm a part of a Toastmasters uh, chapter in my civilian position. And I feel like that is a great opportunity for mentorship to happen naturally and holistically. Uh, and so that is, those are the two big things on my plate. Um, they've been on my plate and, and been focuses of mine since I first took the position. As I said, uh, the pandemic kind of, it didn't um, make it impossible. It just challenges me to think a little, think about it a little differently. Sure. Sure. Um, so what else is on your agenda? Ooh, getting out and, and talking to people. Um, talking to people, yes, yes. And I'm starting here, apparently. Uh, no. So getting out and talking to people, helping people to understand what an HRA is, why this role exists, uh, what I can offer um, and, and, and the ways of training. Um, so, for example, uh, I've, 
and I've done some of the training with some of our uh, squadrons. Uh, right now I can't do it um, until I hear uh, guidance otherwise, but there's different types of diversity and inclusive training that I do, such as um, uh, mitigating unconscious bias. Uh, we all have biases. It's what we do with them sure. when we when we realize what they are. Uh, dealing with uh, microaggressions, um, and so and and trying to counter the impact that they can have when we're not aware uh, that some of our members are experiencing. Uh, microaggressions. Uh, also, though, one of the things that I'm completing soon is being able to uh, be a certified coach and being able to do one-on-one coaching. Um, I always try to highlight the fact that coaching is different from mentoring. Uh, coaching is allowing or walking with someone through a process of getting them to that next phase or that next step or figuring out how they have it inside themselves to accomplish set go uh, where mentoring is, is me saying, here's my experiences and here's, here's a roadmap I would recommend for you. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to using the coaching skills that I'm, I'm uh, perfecting. Um, so those are just some of the things I, I hope to be able to, um, accomplish and bring to the table and offer to the, to the 102nd community. The other thing that's very, very important to me is um, bringing our civilian members uh, along um, in, this, in this journey I have and, and with the goals that I have set. Um, I think all too often, especially where this position is a dual status, uh, guardsman position. Um, all too often, drill status guards mem- members. When we come in on a drill weekend, you can you can attest to this because you have sure. been a drill status guardsman yourself. It is a constant go. You know, do I have my ancillary training done? You know, did I check this right. box? Did I check that box? And so, uh, the quote unquote extracurricular things. Right. The things that help us to feel more like a family, the things that help us to feel more included and more connected with each other um, sometimes go by the wayside. Um, That includes making those connections with our civilian brothers and sisters. Right. We're we're all members of the 102nd. It's just some of us wear uniform and some of us don't. One team, one fight. One team, one fight. And so uh, because of that, that's the other thing I'm trying to champion is uh, with, for example, the diversity council and these focus groups, I really would like to see uh, our civilian members be a part of that and be a part of those conversations because they're impacted just like our, you know, the uniform doesn't keep you from uh, being impacted by microaggressions. The uniform doesn't keep you from being infe- affected by biases. Very true. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't need to be coached yourself. Uh, doesn't mean that you can't be a part of Toastmasters and, and get leadership skills and communication skills. And so that's the other big thing that I'm going to be working with and on. That's great. So how can people get in touch with you? 
Great question. I am actually in the process of moving offices. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, right now, like I said, I'm co-located with EEO uh, in the headquarters building. Um, I will be moving soon uh, to be determined. But um, please, I, I send out lots of emails. Uh, there's flyers around. Um, right now, as I'm, like I said, in transition to moving offices, I'm not sure what the total impact on, on that is going to be, but uh, I have access to my uh, military email account from home, mm-hmm. and I do. Not always the greatest of checking it because of <laughs> class and work and, and being mom and being wife, but I do try to track check it on a fairly regular basis. Um, and I, w- I am planning on, like I said, getting out and talking to people. So I... I, I try to make sure I am approachable. Um, so if you see me in passing, I, you'll probably see me with a book, a notebook in my hand, because uh, that's the way I remember things. It's writing things down, especially as I'm trying to get out and talk to people. So come up and talk to me once I once I'm situated in in my once I'm relocated. Visit my office if I'm in there. I definitely will make time for you. Uh, email me, ping me. I talk to your first sergeant. I'm uh, working with first sergeants and uh, chiefs, and I'm working with uh, squadron leadership and, and unit leadership. So there's many ways you can, um, our members, like I said, both civilian and, and military uh, uniform, can reach out and touch me. So please do take advantage of that. Fantastic. And you're in the global, like you said, uh, your military email address, you're out there. So just check the global. And um, anything else you want to add? Um, I'm just looking forward to helping make the 102nd a little better. Um, and I will, there's a, a story that I heard once, and, and this is uh, kind of like what I pride myself on doing. I honestly believe that one person, by doing just one thing at a time, can make a world of difference and change. Um, there's a story that I saw where it's, uh, or heard of, and some have might heard of this, and it's different versions of it out there, but uh, there was an old man walking on a beach, and he was, uh, the, the beach was covered with starfish um, that had all kind of come up and uh, were drying out and dying in the sun, and he was one starfish at a time tossing them all in the ocean. And somebody came up beside him and said, you know, that's really a waste of time. Like, all of these are still going to die. And he goes, right, but if all, if if thousands of people or hundreds of people come and one at a time throw those starfish back in the ocean, guess what? They won't all die, and there will be a difference made. And so that's what I hope people get from me. I hope that's what resonates with people when I talk to them, is that it's one conversation, one interaction, one training at a time. But a change can happen and a difference can be made. That's great. That's a great way to end this interview. And I can't wait to see all the changes and all the, uh, the effect that you have on the wing and that you've already had on the wing. So uh, thank you. And uh, I appreciate talking to you. And uh, so this has been a 102nd Intelligence Wing interview with Senior Master Sergeant Lashana Hayner, the Wing Human Resource Advisor. If you'd like to reach out to her, 
take a look in the global, find her email address out there and, uh, and send her a line or come over here to building 170 and track her down. Thank you. And thank you all for listening.